MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Dana Schwartz, and this is Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio. This week, we're jumping into a story of sadness and tragedy and mental illness. You know, just some light summer reading. It's I Know This Much Is True from Wally Lamb, which was an Oprah's book club pick and is now an HBO series starring two Mark Ruffalos, or Ruffali, as a pair of identical twins. Double Ruffalo! Before we go into the rest of the book, can we just all say our favorite Ruffalos? My Ruffalo of preference is from uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless The Glasses. A good Ruffalo. Yes. Yeah, it's a solid Ruffalo. Welcome to Popcorn Book Club. I am your host, Dana Schwartz, and I am joined, as always, by co-hosts Karamadankwa, Tian Tran, Jennifer Wright, and Melissa Hunter. Uh, How are you guys doing, Karama? How are you doing? Medium. Medium. I think the the book is very sad and the world is very sad, but I actually got a new bookmark that helps. Ooh, what's it's the got bookmark? sunflowers on it. Oh, yeah, it. hold on. I'll show oh, you guys. Nice. And your dress is also sunflowered, which I really like. Yes, love. I was very sunflowery Ooh, today. Ooh, very, very My friend nice. made this for me and mailed it to me. Tian, Tian, how's your life in quarantine at the moment? Pretty good. Um, it's nice to escape to a sad book from a sad world. So mm-hmm. that's been really fun. Um, I also got a new bookmark. Wow. Not as, not as cool as yours. And by God, I mean rifled in my desk for it. But it's star stickers. Ooh. That's like a third of a bookmark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those stars. <laughs> that is a very like mini bookmark. I, I love it. Economizing. <laughs> and the whole thing's tiny. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, you're zooming in from South Carolina, but it looks like you're against like a tropical background. Is it as are you just like basking in sunlight? What is the weather there? Because it looks like it's like 80 and perfect. 
It's 86 degrees here, so it's a little bit mm-hmm. too hot. Um, but uh, yeah, it's also um, it's it's a sad week. I feel a little bad that I recommended a really sad <laughs> book, uh, not not <laughs> anticipating how sad the world was going to get. You know what? I actually sometimes think that sadness in a fictional universe can be weirdly cathartic. Sometimes mm-hmm. it like. If I'm feeling sad, I want to listen to sad songs and I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I think it would be, mm-hmm. I th- maybe I'm, I'm just justifying, but like, if I was reading like a very happy book about like people going about their happy lives, I would be like, what's your problem? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, how about you? How are you doing? Yeah. You know, I, you know, a solid, <coughs> relatively fine, I feel like is the way I uh, describe how I am every day. Like. Relative to the rest of the world, I'm very fine. Um, But yeah, everything's on fire and everything in this book makes me cry. I think we don't need to get into the book yet, but the first chapter I like read right before bed and I was like, nope, can't do that again. Uh, That was a hard pass of a before bed book. So uh, yeah, but otherwise it's okay. Getting outside, uh, got outside a lot this week, which was really nice, but stayed away from people who were being very irresponsible. It almost like, I feel like some of the irresponsible people ruin the nature that I'm trying to absorb to make me happy, you know? Yes, 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that that is a very good segue into what we're reading this week. Uh, Wally Lamb's I Know This Much Is True, which was uh, sort of like a hit at the time, you know, new number one New York Times bestseller, Oprah Book Club, and now is being adapted on HBO with Double Ruffalo. A Double Ruff. Yes. A tale of two ruffalos. Two rough, too low. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually good. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, And we're reading, we read uh, chapters one through 15. So if you're following along at home, that's where we cut off. And obviously there's going to be no spoilers past that point because I, I haven't read past that. So if any of you have, please don't spoil anything. I have, I not. have not. My mom nope. my mom was like, you should because everyone else is going to. I and didn't. I think that explains a lot I, about my life. <laughs> I almost did. I started reading chapter 16 and then I realized I would get I would have gotten too confused when I'm because it jumps so much in time that I'm like, oh, I don't know if uh, this bad thing happened or this bad thing happened, you know? Well, thank you, <laughs> Melissa. Now I owe my mother money. <laughs> That is exactly it, though, where it's like this book um, isn't linear in its plot, really. There mm-hmm. is one one quote unquote present day that that carries us through. But we're jumping back in time uh, to to find out about the, the story and the childhood of our protagonist, uh, Dominic Birdsey and his twin identical twin brother, Thomas Birdsey, who is a uh, diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. And um, at the start of the book. Uh, oof, uh, Melissa, you wanna you wanna dive us dive into what the uh, sort of the major inciting incident yeah, is? I'm sure. sorry to put Why you on not? The spot what gave me uh very vivid night nightmares that night? That thing that happened? Yeah, um, that's why I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. So, um, Thomas Birdsey, uh, Dominic's brother, is in a goes to a library, and he um. It takes out a sword that he got from his uh, stepfather 
and or he stole from his stepfather and um, chops off his own hand uh, and uh, like sutures it immediately, like finds a way to stop the bleed. But he does it in protest of the what? The Gulf War. The Gulf War, right, right. right. The Gulf Gulf War. (laughs) Um, And he does it. He's he's sacrificing his own hand, which is based on scripture, like a um, something that he's uh, sort of decided is telling him through scripture and through God that he must do. Um, And yeah, and terrifies a lot of people in the library. Understandably. Understandably. And terrifies a lot of readers. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think I would be very afraid if I were in a public oh library my God. and yeah. somebody cut oh. their own hand off. Oh, yes. And like, and then immediately. Just, yeah. Yes, I With think the, we would like, the machete, it and seems he, like. He like, th- he like throws it out into the middle of the library. Like if you yeah. were reading yeah. and you saw a hand just <gasps> drop oh. to the ground. You'd, yeah, you'd run the fuck out of there. <laughs> but you know what? If this book had taken place a little bit before when normal people took place, people would have thought they were being punked. People would have been like, Ashton? Ashton? <laughs> but yeah, no, that is, it's a it's a visceral, terrifying scene that is written about in such detail, like that he like tied the, yeah. the arteries to staunch the bleeding and Someone in the we have the we have a group chat, but someone said, and I don't remember, so I'm very sorry. Um, so that they for a moment like thought it was a memoir because it is written. Oh, that's me. Yeah, that's it me. Is. It's um, written I, so I am an idiot who no. fully believed that this was a memoir. I thought and so too. Yeah, I was like, you know, I what would so be too. interesting. What would be interesting for book club is I could look up some of the newspaper reports on the time covering this because <laughs> obviously they would cover the man who chopped off his hand to try to stop the Gulf War. And I was so confused by the fact that I couldn't find any reporting from that time. <laughs> it's and, a government um, And then cover I found up. out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the CIA was probably behind it. Like I've learned from Thomas now that they were covering it up. Um, and uh, no, Wally Lamb is, I was very relieved to find out um, an author of fiction, which apparently did not register in my brain. And um, he has a bunch of sisters and uh, teaches incarcerated women how to write their life stories in a very inspiring way and has a very happy oh, marriage Wally. and um, three Wally loving can... children. Well, Wally is a, Wally Wally is a good man having a nice life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also, yeah. I also do really like, I do want to say like when you write about mental health, especially in fiction, it's so often like sensationalized. And mm-hmm. yes, cutting off your own hand is yeah. like a, it's a, it is sort of like if it bleeds, it leads like sort of that it, it fits into that mode of like, oh, exploitative storytelling where it's like, oh, it's dramatic and attention grabbing. But I did appreciate that uh, Wally Lamb, the author, did have like a disclaimer at the beginning talking about his process and his research. He has a list of uh, like a bibliography at the end of the book of his sources that he consulted and also, I think statistically, it, it, he represents the fact that most mentally ill people are a threat to themselves mm-hmm. far more than yes. they are a threat to other people. Yeah. 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 Which I think is a nuance that that isn't often portrayed in fiction. Well, you know what's interesting? Even though, even though I know that this has now been adapted into an HBO limited series, and I know that Mark Ruffalo plays the Birdsey twins in the HBO limited series... I have not been picturing Mark Ruffalo yeah, at all. Me neither. Usually, oh. um, I've a hundred percent been picturing Mark Ruffalo. So I want to know what everyone else. No, is I've picturing. been picturing a Ruffalo type for sure. I 
I feel like, and this is not, I feel like Mark Ruffalo always plays like a little more likable, a little more like morally good. Like yeah. I'm picturing like his spotlight character that I have trouble picturing a Ruffalo this sort of low down, like on, well, the, on the rough and tumble. Yeah, like. I think I'm picturing I mean, Ruffalo he's... from 13 going on 30 and not the Ruffalo <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, is, that is in the the trailer and the show. Like I'm, I'm picturing yeah. like a Before... younger Ruffalo. Before we go into the rest of the book, can we just all say our favorite Ruffalos? My Ruffalo of preference is from uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless uh, Mind. The glasses. A good yeah. Ruffalo. Yes. Yeah, it's a solid Ruffalo. I'm going to say aesthetically, I like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because I'm a sucker for glasses. But in terms of personality, mm-hmm. I'm all spotlight Ruffalo. I love when he's like, oh, the, the, yeah. the Pope, even if it goes up to the yeah. Pope. I like his little Boston yeah. accent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for some reason, the kids are all right. Ruffalo really popped into my head. Like, it's a really, like, oh. it, I mean, maybe it's just like a stasis Ruffalo, you know? It's like nothing too, he's not too sexy, but he's also not too, he's just like a good guy that's around, I think. I don't really remember the movie. It's a hot <laughs> Ruffalo. Hot Ruffalo. Hot Ruffalo. Yeah. What about you, Jennifer Jen? Antien? Um well, you know, I'm going to say Spotlight yeah. Ruffalo. And I actually thought Mark Ruffalo was kind of perfect for this because I think maybe because of his political involvement, I think of Mark Ruffalo as being a very righteous mm-hmm. person. And because of the Hulk, I think of him as also being a person who maybe secretly is angry all the time. So, uh, yeah, Do- Dominic is clearly not secretly angry. He's Dominic is very so openly so angry mm-hmm. at everybody. So angry. Yeah. So angry. Mine's, yeah, I, would, I, I mean, I go to 13 going on 30, Mark Ruffalo, just because yeah. that's the one that pops in my head. <laughs> and I love a simple rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love a rom-com, yeah. which this is not. No, no. this is absolutely not. So to, con- no. so, <laughs> to continue on um, in the non, very much not a rom-com story, the, the major conflict that I think that Dominic is dealing with in the first 15 chapters is obviously his brother does this enormously uh, public act of self-mutilation. He's brought to the hospital, but then to a mental institution that's more, I don't know, how do you describe it? As opposed Just a maximum to, security. It's maximum, maximum security. Maximum security. Maximum security. Yeah. 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 A, a more severe place than his usual, like, group, outpatient, sort of centric mm-hmm. facility. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things also is the, the, um, the hatch, I think it was yeah. called. Yeah. Yeah, the hatch, the new facility versus settle, the old facility has more surveillance, which for a paranoid schizophrenic is just like possibly the worst possible thing that you could do. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have I understand. I understand why. Yeah. Right. And he's very comfortable um, at Settle and like want, he like works the coffee or he gets the coffee and works the newsstand and it's like his home. And so that's very stressful. He's very settled, He's, yeah. one might say. Oh. Yeah. And Dominic really tries to to fight to get him back to settle where his brother seemed to be doing better until he cut his hand off. But for political reasons, because it's such a high profile case, the the powers that be kind of need to throw the book at it a mm-hmm. little bit. Like we were saying before, like mm-hmm. it was this really terrifying scene where a man threw his severed hand across a library. And just for public appearances, you need to be like, well, we're putting him in maximum security, mm-hmm. getting evaluated. 
and it, it makes the system feel very futile and scary. I was just, it was what it was really interesting in that one chapter where he does meet with that social worker and she essentially tells him that that like this sort of move is like a PR move mm -hmm. uh, from 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 the cops that like because there there was an incident where someone who had no history of violence snapped as they said yeah. and attacked someone and killed someone so like they're doing this to thomas as a show of you know conservative action mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what i was gonna but say is i think that it's really interesting that dominic keeps bringing up like people keep saying that he's violent but he only mm -hmm. hurt himself yeah and he's not a danger to anyone else he's just he's his own worst enemy and he's only dangerous to himself mm -hmm. But I think what's important and um, what made me feel for some of the workers there was the fact that she immediately replies, well, he counts. Yeah. yeah. If if you're violent to yourself, it's that's still, still a violent act. Violence still to yourself counts. or others. You, you yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it's it's interesting. I didn't want to dive into this so soon, but but I feel like the natural progression is Dominic as a narrator is not a fundamentally great person across the board. Yeah. He's incredibly sexist and homophobic in his attitude. And racist. And yeah. racist. racist. Oh, oh my God. Oh yeah. Racist, homophobic. Yeah. And I mean, there's some like 90s language in here where you're like, okay, I guess people said that, but Jesus Christ. Some of it is not yes. just the 90s. No. Though, because I remember a good chunk of the 90s <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there is a balance between like 90s language and then things that were just plain racist even in the 90s. I feel like the homophobia to me feels a little more 90s. Yeah. It does, but it doesn't because his girlfriend Joy also calls him on yeah. it. Yeah. She calls, says she's homophobic. Yeah. And she's correct. She's correct. But I do think it was more mainstream for men to be called homophobic and it be okay that they were homophobic. It's like, oh, oh sure. that guy, he's he's a he's just a homophobe. Like it was like you. Oh, you you, you know, silly, silly dominant. You scam. You yeah. I feel like when you hear about Joy's gay friend, Tad, who makes Duchess potatoes and lives in like a beautiful <laughs> condo and plans to become a caterer, I just wanted to disappear to their world. I just thought a, maybe the book could like swerve over. I just, part yeah, of the, he's supposed to be very right? supportive. Yeah. Right? yeah. And they take like yeah. mixology yeah. classes together. Yeah. I'm so what into fun. it. What a fun thing to do. I would have been okay if we just swerved for like a romantic <laughs> comedy where Tad helps Joy find love and you know tad is joy, like fine. is like you you leave him honey leave him you know just like it's like every day like when yeah. are you leaving him yeah. Get up. it's not Get up. like is it you. next week we gotta have a plan she is a hot 23 year old fitness instructor who can Mary, oh, yeah. like, joy has options yeah yeah as i'm reading that the whole time i'm like joy why are you with him well, yeah. I feel like Joy uh, she's a spending problem. with him because she has low self-esteem <laughs> yeah. yes, and she has yeah. problems yeah. because of the fact that she was sexually abused when she was 13 oh, God. years old. Oh, God. Which he is so dismissive. Which Dominic so completely dismisses that yeah. he's like, well, it was consensual, but I, consensual. But I guess you'd call it statutory, statutory he, where it's like, no, no, no. An uncle, because she was an uncle molesting no. a 13-year-old girl is in no but, universe consensual. But Dana, no I'm consensual sorry. when you're 13. He wrote, there just isn't. But she wrote him oh, yeah. letters. So obviously, <laughs> oh, of course. It was she ate his fingernails. Love. 
Oh God. Um, I know he's like more disturbed by her, like her actions and like her eating the fingernails than like the like never condemns the uncle's actions at all in telling us this entire story. It's really wild. But what I wanted to point out is that even though our narrator Dominic is sexist, racist, homophobic. I, I do really value kind of that Wally Lamb is building this world around him where it's like, oh, well, I don't think while Wally Lamb is not those things. Like we're even though we're through Dominic's perspective, I think we're getting like really interesting women and people of color and yeah. these stories that yeah. Dominic can't yeah. see. But we as the reader can see like the story of yes. the drink waters and Dr. Patel yeah. who's the dopest the character waters. in the whole oh. book. Yeah. The drink waters. Yeah, that was Lord. So oh God. Do we yeah. who uh, that almost took me out though. Like just given everything that's happening in the world oh. right now, the fact that the fact that Dominic went and accused a little black girl, uh, yeah. she's mixed, but you know, she for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes reads as black. Um, accused a little black girl of theft, made her cry in front of the principal. No one believed her. Everyone he believed him. He was a him. hero. In his in not in his defense, but just to say the reason they believed him and not her was partly because she did have a record for stealing food. But she was but hungry. We later find out because she was she hungry, was hungry. Um, which nobody addresses. So he makes her cry, and then the next day she gets kidnapped and murdered. And then he and writes I, an and essay. then he writes a speech. Oh. Yeah. And then he writes a speech and gets chosen to read it out loud at the like memorial service at the school. It is just such a sick sick little twisted thing that he does does in that chapter yep i had to put the book down i'm sorry yeah yeah the thing afterwards where he sees uh ralph uh get upset in class because the teacher has said that they just got rid of all the indians they're all gone he disappeared Um, and ralph is part indian yeah they disappeared um and then he realizes like huh Maybe racism is kind of wrong. <laughs> um, and it just feels like such a feeble, inadequate response to everything he's done. I found it the most chill. With that exact family. One of the most chilling moments of Dominic recounting the um, Penny is, I think her name is Penny Ann, the sister mm-hmm. who gets murdered. Penny Ann, yeah. Is that he's yeah. like, I told the, the teacher that she was bragging about stealing Oreos. And I knew that they would believe me. Yes. Yeah. That, that is exactly yeah. Yeah. the sort of like systemic racism that yeah. still exists. We're like that. I mean, not to bring up current events, but that woman calling the police yeah. and knowing how she can twist a story to her benefit. It's like, mm-hmm. and Dominic knew that they would believe him. And beyond that, he was he was like getting angry that like, he's like, they better believe me. Like he was like, yes. I better win this. Even though he, he was like getting indignant that she was fighting for her truth, which was the truth. He, yeah, he forgot <laughs> he that forgot he lied. That he yeah. That's the yeah. craziest part. Yeah, yeah which he is, forgot that the whole thing was something that he invented. Yes. Oh. And it, because and the whole reason he did it was because she lied about saying that her mom was going to get her a Shetland pony for her birthday. Yeah. It's like let her lie. We all lied when we were in third She's grade. Lying about that all my, the time. my best friend yeah. in elementary school said that her house used to belong to giants and they had to renovate it to make it person sized. <laughs> That's an awesome That's lie. <laughs> I wish That's that was true. And it's awesome. That is a I very mean, good lie. <laughs> <laughs> My little niece is a huge liar. Just constant lies flying out of her mouth. It's, uh, it's kids beautiful. love lying. But it's just fun. Yeah. I told kids in uh, kindergarten that I was the author of Benicula. 
That's I, you know what you could have been, Jennifer. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I could not fully read at that point, so it would have been like an incredible achievement, but yeah. That's so funny. You're listening to Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio, and we'll be back right after the break. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts So we're back with Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio. So we sort of do get this main narrative about Dominic and Thomas and the challenges of, you know, having an identical twin who's sort of having this descent into into further paranoid schizophrenia peppered in with these anecdotes. And I want to focus on a different anecdote that broke my heart. I would say like the second saddest I've been in this book, although it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to rank. The the New York City trip. Oh, God. Uh, I forgot about that. I know. The field trip. The field yeah. trip. So what happens yeah. in this one, uh, just to refresh your memory, is this, the boys' school uh, is is going on a field trip to New York City to, like, see a show at Radio City Music Hall and see the mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty from Connecticut where they live. And we sort of see that this is where Dominic was trying to distance himself from yeah. Thomas, which I think... All kids, if you have, like, a lame brother or lame sibling, like, you sort of do that at some yeah. point. And so he sort of is is trying to align himself with the cool kid, and he's not sitting with Thomas on the bus. And then Thomas accidentally locks himself in the bathroom on the bus. And just it, it, the way it's described is so vivid and so humiliating 
both for Thomas and also I really did feel for Dominic in this yeah. awful way where you know that like he's not being a good person, but also who among us hasn't been like humiliated like that? Oh, mm-hmm. and I can just like can, like that feeling of just thinking about being in Thomas's shoes and like having everyone on the bus shout at you. Yeah. Just, like, the kids, the students, the driver, the teacher. And it's like everyone telling you how to fix something that you just can't. And in the yeah. moment of anxiety, you can't figure it out. Ugh. Yeah. And you're in this small little room that smells like literal shit. And Ugh. you and it's just like I feel like I've been that kid several times where just like you don't. And it's just like a simple thing that if you just it's like the left, right. It was like tell them to make it go right. And then it was just. That he just ha- mixed those up and it was just so devastating. It's so awful in precisely the way that children actually yeah. are yeah. awful. Yes. I think um I think as adults, um, I see like kids in third grade now and I think, oh, they're adorable. Monsters. Like what are they reading? It's so cute. And then you remember that when you were that age, they were life size and they were <clears throat> monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. That um yeah, they have no patience with anything. Um they can say vividly cruel things without um anyone calling them out or any personal feelings of guilt. And that's everything that's happening to Thomas. Yeah. And yeah. also what they- stuck out what stuck out for me in that scene, there were two things. Uh first is actually there were three things. First is that Dominic was um ultimately concerned with whether or not this cool rich kid would still be his friend mm-hmm. afterward. And I think that being accepted in that way was something that was very important to him and he could see it literally just slipping away as his brother became this embarrassment. And I think that that's part of the tough thing about him looking exactly like his yeah. brother. And either like we all want to distance ourselves from people at times. And it's like you can't because they're just a living mirror image of you. And then the second thing that really stuck out to me was that the teacher just was like, oh, man, this kid is having a real rough time. Dominic, why don't you stay with him? And it's sort of the beginning yeah. of this lifelong thing where Thomas is... Dominic's responsibility, yeah, yeah. even when there are other people who should and be adults more responsible. That should probably yeah. be more responsible. And like even as an adult, adultier adults yeah. that should be more I responsible. Mean, like Ray takes no responsibility none. as a parental figure no. as uh, as he gets older. And then the other thing was that this that scene where they're at the Statue of Liberty and Thomas isn't feeling great. And so Dominic has to stay with him and doesn't get to go inside the Statue of Liberty is the first time that he swears out loud. It's the first time he says the F word out loud when he tells uh, when he tells Thomas to shut the fuck up. And I think that that sort of is the beginning of this lifelong anger. Yeah, Yeah, it's like he... it, you really see why he's such an angry person because he decides to be a martyr, which is interesting because Thomas is literally trying to be a martyr. But I feel like with Dominic, he makes, he like takes care of his brother, but he uses it as a reason to be angry with the world. And you're right, that started right there. I also found it so interesting how he like spent that money, the like $37 oh. or whatever that he saved just yeah. on nothing, just to make, which is like so relatable when you're upset. You're just like, I'm just going to yeah. spend a bunch of money and all the money that I have and maybe that will make me feel yeah. something and it never does, you know. Yeah. The religion is so interesting yeah. because oh, yeah. obviously them being identical twins, they are sort of that mirror image where Thomas falls into being 
I think, past incredibly religious, thinking he's literally like a prophet of God in some of his, you know, delusions. Dominic, after going through numerous tragedies and, and losses, you know, accepts that there is no God. And so he becomes incredibly nihilistic. But as you said, like, still thinks of himself as a martyr. And it goes mm-hmm. back to like, I mean, Cain and Abel, the story of the biblical brothers, he goes, I'm not my brother's keeper. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not like a biblical scholar, but right. It's this, that, that is like such a fundamental tie of like, what is your responsibility to your literal brother and to mankind? And they've taken different approaches towards, you know, religion and God. And I think it, it also goes in the, in chapter 15, when he's talking with Dr. Patel, like he kind of admits how much it has hurt him that Thomas no longer like seems to look out for him, that Thomas in his schizophrenia becomes really, um, narcissistic and self-looking. And so I think that's sort of an interesting thing where Dominic feels like he always has to watch out for his brother. I love Dr. Patel. Oh, Oh, she's the shit. Me too. She is wonderful. I love that that her counter to that is, well, aren't we all a little narcissistic? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and she gives that particular anecdote about how she was running late to a meeting and the guy in front of her was going really slowly. And she's like, why is he making me late for my meeting? (laughs) When it's like, maybe he is not a confident driver. And he's like, why is this person trying to get me to speed (laughs) behind him? And Mm -hmm. so we're all sort of wrapped up. And I definitely default to that in our own narrative where we're the star of our own story. Hopefully a romantic comedy for me personally. <laughs> and not a CIA thriller yeah. for Thomas. The thing about Dominic too is that we're, you know, he is such this martyr. He's like this like belabored martyr, but he's such an unlikable character in so many ways and is very angry, but there are so many moments that I feel very tender to him. Yeah. Even though yes. he's so unlikable, like just him talking about how he would go visit his brother every single Sunday and that, that scene where Joy's like, can you just not do it for one weekend? And he's like, yeah. no, like my brother is expecting me. It's almost like he needs it as well in, in, in knowing that his brother is doing okay. Like in those moments, I'm like, oh, Dominic, yeah. like you're, you're so tender and loving and also a total asshole and, a, well, and, you know, using it in this like martyry way. I kind of feel like anyone in this book can be slightly redeemed just by being nice to Dominic. Yeah. Um, I felt the same way to a much lesser extent yeah, about the ending Leo. Of that yeah, yes. uh, just seems like a nightmare of a person. Um, just cheats on his wife relentlessly, <laughs> like was addicted to cocaine. Yeah, that was um, very casually <laughs> mentioned, the cocaine yeah. addiction. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just 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 seems like um, kind of a mess. But then he says, you know, if you want me want to put me on the visitors list, yeah. I'll go down and and, and I'll see Thomas. And I thought, oh, that's that's really kind yeah. to do. Yeah, that's um, I mean, I, that's I, really nice. We also get kindness from Dessa, his act, uh, uh, Dominic's ex-wife. Oh, yeah, well, she's Dessa great. I don't think Dessa's yeah. done a single thing wrong. No, Dessa is the no. only character Dessa's, in this oh, book. She was just like person. perfect. She well, was like Dessa's the best story. part of. Dominic, you know, or yeah. it felt like that was his goodness was in Dessa. And now that he's separated from that, it's like part of his goodness is gone, you know? Uh, yeah. I kind of wondered if we'd feel entirely different about this character if we had met him at he the was point when he and Dessa were expecting a child. He was a teacher. And he was doing the, a pool in his yeah. classroom about what the weight was going to be. And everybody was so excited. I don't know if I'm ready to talk about 
Angela and that whole story, but uh, but the vasectomy thing, oh my, was like one of the worst things I've ever heard someone do yeah. in a marriage. Um, oh. But how dare I? Truly, I mean, just thank, like <laughs> I feel like I feel so responsible for Dessa. Like she's a real person. I'm like, thank God she left. Like, good she for deserves her. that artist <laughs> and that little farm. <laughs> good for you, Dessa. <laughs> their little mailbox. It sounds box. like the Potter guy is doing yeah. really well. Yeah. And I'm glad nice. she went to yeah, Greece like, by job. herself. Like, thank goodness she felt free yes. for the first time. Um, and I, yeah, I really related to her. I feel like. I've been in one very bad toxic relationship and earlier on in my life. And it was like I spent a week away from him. And it was like I, when she described how she felt, it was like, yeah, that was it's like it is this when you're in a kind with a toxic person and you like separate and you feel like you have your whole self back. Like I was just like, yeah, Dessa, leave him. Uh, now we just got to work on joy leaving him. <laughs> well, joy needs to leave. Yeah. Joy is Fingers her own crossed. messed up. But yeah. I feel like they don't need to be together. No, he doesn't. He doesn't even no. seem to like her. No, no. he doesn't. He's still <gasps> in love with Dessa. He's not nice no. to her. Yeah, it's um. Yeah. Um, I wish Joy would and, leave. And um, there's weird I'm, details where you're like, you can sort of read between the lines and be like, oh, Joy's kind of trying. Like at the the very end of chapter fifteen, oh, yeah. it's this throwaway detail that she's doing his laundry and like catches a note and is like, oh, did you want this? So it's like, when you think about it, like this woman who he's not nice to at all and is incredibly mm. dismissive of and sexist to in his own internal monologue, he's like doing his laundry and cleaning his Checking house. Checking like, pockets. I, I literally didn't I, think about that. I, I I think men like Dominic just yeah. take that so yeah. much for granted that like the laundry fairy might as well have yeah. done it. Um, yeah, Dom- Dominic doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't no. see that Joyce serves yeah. any purpose in his yeah. life. Just I-, I imagine his mother was also kind of forced into yeah. the same I was going to um, say, I-, I bet he yeah. had a mom who pretty much catered to everything. I mean, we, we know, know his mom yeah. as a character yeah. in the book, so I can pretty much infer that she wasn't like, okay, you're old enough now, I'm going to teach you how to do your laundry. Yeah. I mean, everything that we learn about his mom is also so devastating. It's heartbreaking. It's tragic. Like, we learn that, you know, that she is in this abusive relationship with Ray, emotionally and sometimes Mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. Physically, definitely. And we learn that she dies Mm -hmm. of breast cancer. And then I was like, this is just going to keep getting sadder, isn't it? We also learn. She, and she and has she a, a cleft lip. lip. A she cleft like, lip. Hides oh, with her fist the hide, all the time. I was just, it's so heartbreaking. It's always hiding at you. I remember, and this is not the same situation at all, but I um, used to have like a very gummy smile because my jaw was misaligned. So I was probably like I had more gum than tooth when and so for like a good few years, when I smiled, I always covered my mouth when I smiled or laughed in person. Yeah. And my mom would always say like how much that broke her heart. And when I had to go through like this whole surgery and like getting jaw surgery was like a whole thing. But it was like, it was such a weird and visceral thing that I've never really talked about, like how nice it is to like want to smile and not cover your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it's like on that episode of Queer Eye. Did you with with the sisters that like yes. and she and she had messed up teeth and she would always cover her mouth and then at the end they fix her teeth and then she's smiling with I, that made me cry. Um, oh, oh, that's really yeah, nice. it was very nice. Uh, um, 
does Dominic's mother ever get to be happy? Is it just that one day where they get to meet who is Mrs. it? Mrs. 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 Eisenhower? Mrs. Eisenhower. Yeah, Eisenhower. that was the one time. Well, I think she was okay. almost happy when uh, they went out to the movies for the back to school day. Yeah. And then she got oh, that painting yeah, and she was like, I'm going to get this yeah. painting of Jesus because it makes me happy. But then was like yeah. sexually harassed the on the bus. Yeah. Immediately. I think that yeah. that, that yeah. image of the quote-unquote crazy man on the bus who sexually harasses Ma, I think really haunts Dominic because obviously he has the same genetics as as Thomas. And yeah. I think this idea of crazy is very nebulous, yeah. you know, to his understanding. And I think he has this deep fear of becoming the crazy man yeah, on the bus. Yeah, he marked that. It was like this face that haunts my dreams because I thought it was going to be, I mean, obviously it was a terrifying scene, but I thought something worse was going to happen. Like, you know, they would be get go to the hospital or something because of the way he marks it, you know, of how this face will forever haunt him. Um, and I also just thinking about, like, toxic relationships and abusive relationships when she goes home and is crying and can't stop crying and then makes them promise not to tell Ray. It's like that, not to tell Ray that something that was not your fault a very bad thing, scary thing that happened that was not your fault. It's such a clear sign of abuse of like they she would have yelled at her about that. That would have turned into a fight. And it was just very heartbreaking. Yeah. The other the other scene about Ma that was like so heartbreaking was when she gets them that gift, the typewriter and like wants them to go to college. But Ray's like, they uh. don't have enough. We we as a family don't have enough. And so she wants to try and work. And just mm-hmm. thinking yeah. about her on that first oh, day yeah. of work with her mm-hmm. hands shaking. And I, I like it, it took me back to my mom because my mom stayed at home. And then when my all of us had grown up, she like started working again for the first time in like 20 years. And it never hit me like how nerve wracking that must be to have been out of the workforce for so long and then going out into the, oh, it just like the thought of the hands shaking and her going out to work and yeah. and then not even getting to do it. It was just so, yeah. it was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's also like a tiny little bit of a triumphant moment mm-hmm. for me too, that Ray tells her that she will never be able to get a job. Right. Like, what does she even know how to do? She goes down to a hotel and she applies and she gets hired yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, like, Calls his bluff. yeah, and it, um, it, in a way, um, I I understand that she did not want to work and uh, that that should be a choice for people, but. Um, I, I desperately wish she had taken that job yeah. because I think it might have given her a support system outside of yeah. a home. It might have let her see and, that there were people yeah. who valued her labor. And yeah. 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 I think Ma is a is a incredibly heartbreaking character, but Ray is also this major figure that looms over mm-hmm. Dominic. Uh, the detail that stuck with me is this idea that uh, Ray kind of preferred Dominic and he, Dominic yeah. goes into this with Dr. Patel, but this weird feeling of like both guilt and pride that Ray was sort of like, you know, because Dominic was more of like an athlete, more popular, that he really attacked Ma and Thomas and Dominic yeah. sort of got away. I don't know. What did you guys make of that? I just want to say something about the work scene because that was when like the racism really jumped out at me because that scene, I don't know if y'all remember, Oof. but has the N-word in yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what really forces Ray's hand in this college situation. And he's like, fine, I will pay for college because I don't want my wife to have to do nigger work. 
And just for everybody listening, a reminder, I am Black. Um, <laughs> so you can't see me, but I am. Um, but that, I had to put the book down after that yeah. because I was like, oh God, it's not even about like, I want you to stay home because of I uh, like being a homemaker is a full-time job and you're not going to be able to do that well. And we've arranged this house so that it works this way. Or yeah. I want you to be home for the kids. It no, was that's being a good deep-seated person. racism. Yeah. Yep. And this deep-seated like honor thing, like you are my property and I don't want anyone to see my property engaged in something that I believe to be beneath them. Yeah. Yeah. And that just like made my skin crawl. And Ray, from then on, I was just like, I don't care what he does. He's yeah. trash. Ray is the least redeemable character in this book. Because he, he both physically and psychologically abuses Thomas, Dominic, Ma. I mean, he, he physically abuses Thomas in the book. Well, there's a moment that was, I also feel like kind of glossed over where Dominic talks about when they were younger um, he has them kneeling on yes. rice. Yes. Oh yes. my God. That was oh, oh. terrifying. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you don't even, like when they said it, I was like, what is, what? And then when he explained, he didn't even understand I, until it was happening, the pain of it. And then like the taping his hands. Oh. Um, that was his it. Hands. The taping. Hands yeah. so he couldn't eat. It was so he had to eat like a dog, it they was, said. It was such like, I. this sounds like I'm glorifying it, but like creative abuse, like abuse of of a kind of person that has such a sick mind that they are like, I, I don't just want to hit this person. I want to find ways to torture them. It's yeah. all tor- it's all means of torture. Um, mm-hmm. It was t- it was awful. That was the note I made that scene that uh, Ray like duct tapes Thomas's hands so he can't I guess, chew on them, whatever he was doing wrong, which children, especially anxious children do. Yeah. And so the, the scene that they describe then is, is Thomas having to eat his dinner just with his like face, like a dog in a bowl. Yeah. And also then I wrote in the margin, like, and then he cuts off his own hand. Like there has to be some sort of, uh, yeah, maybe oh, snap. metaphorical parallel to that idea of like, I don't know. I mean, this is because this is fiction. I, you know, I could be reading too much into right. it, but also, there's this idea, like, I th- I think I'm not an expert on psychology or, or mental illness, but, like, I can't imagine a childhood of traumatic abuse helps healthy development if you're already pr- have those, uh, you know, programs if inside your brain. Predisposed, predisposed, predisposed to chemical brain, imbalances. Chemical yeah. things, yeah. Oh, well, it yeah. just broke my heart. Yeah. Um, one of the most terrible, the most terrifying moment in this for me is when Ray's solution is like, maybe I should have been harder on him. Like your mother yeah. was always <gasps> protecting him. So maybe if I just beaten him a little more, it would have been better, which um, I think we can all agree would not have helped. No. And even if he, their childhood already seems very traumatic. Yeah. Even if that's how paranoid schizophrenia started was because of behaviors in childhood. No, like, why would you think that? Because with the rice thing, what stuck out to me about that rice torture was that if you didn't cry, you got to get up. But if you reacted in any way to being tortured, you got tortured longer. And then with the tragedy is Dominic, his inability to show grief and express himself is partly what leads to the the end of his marriage. Yeah, he. Mm-hmm. To get into it a tiny bit, he and his wife, Dessa, lose 
a child at three weeks, incredibly tragically. And Dessa wants him to open up, wants him to be able to express their shared grief. And he bottles it up until he literally just bursts out into tears while teaching a class. Yeah. She, and then he leaves and never, never comes, comes back. Never back comes to back. Class. It gave me so much hope towards the end when Dr. Patel told him that he can't keep being like a Tupperware container yeah. with the lid. For <laughs> I love that she oh, could not yeah. remember the word like Tupperware. The things you sell at I your know, home. Your yeah. friends come over and sell those things to you. The parties. <laughs> you know, yeah. the containers with the parties. Yeah. yeah. But it broke yeah. my it broke my heart with Dessa, where you could so tell that Dessa needed to share that grief with her partner. And needed mm-hmm. him to open up and be there with him and express that. And he and ha- could not. I, I mean, I mean the, the most heartbreaking moment for me in that maybe was when he hears her crying in, his, in the baby's room. And he's like, just lets her cry, like doesn't go comfort her. And he's like. And has the thought that like only a psychotic person wouldn't go help yeah. her. I'm not going to help her, though. Yeah. And then he thinks back to that moment, like, if I had gone and comforted her, would we still be together? And I'm like, maybe. Maybe. Like, yes. maybe. Because it could have been like, a, you might have cried and then you could have talked to each other instead of getting a vasectomy while she's in Greece, a trip that she asked you to come on. Yeah. Uh, which oh. I think she's making. And then you think she'll be happy about it. I mean. Without telling her. Yeah. Without, I was like. Dessa was going, doing this really big thing, like, let's go to Greece, let's, like, reconnect, let's be with each other. And then when she comes back, they have this really cathartic moment, and she cries, and you're like, maybe they're going to get through this. And then he's like, I got a vasectomy without telling you. Well, yeah, he, and then well, she molly like, wallops his ass. He's like, and I what, don't yeah. believe in God, and I got a vasectomy. Yeah, <laughs> like, and what, <laughs> what I thought was so beautiful in that chapter with Dessa was, like, she had done the work of of dealing with this loss and grieving that she it started to show that she was on the other side of it. Like, not that she was finished grieving, but that her saying that, like, now the, the memory of this baby is, like, not a tragedy, but it's, like, she's so grateful. And it really showed, like, that kind of progress that people go through with grief. And he, she got on the other yeah. side of it, but he's just still so stuck in the Tupperware um, yeah. of anger at <laughs> the Tupperware filled with rage that he did well, this be- horrible thing. Well, there because, you know, Melissa, if you cry, you get more time kneeling in the right, kneeling right. in the right. Yeah. True, 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 true. There is something to him being like that, like the martyr, like taking that position of being yeah. the martyr in this situation where he does describe mm-hmm. like at the very first several weeks, months of after losing their daughter, that he's kind of holding things together is like, letting Dessa, you know, be with his, with her mother and sister and crying and grieving. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, doing things around the house, getting groceries together, spending time with his father-in-law. And in some ways is like, is sharing with us that he was an emotional rock, even though it was not the healthiest of things that he was doing. Yeah. But that's sort of like taking that position of being in the martyr. He's do- he's doing it all over again. Like taking on the emotional burden of like taking care instead of mm. opening up. It is interesting because, yeah, it's like she he goes to the funeral home. And mm-hmm. it's like he does all the things that are taught in sort of like 50s traditional masculine yeah. ways in which you handle tragedies. It's like, I'm going to be the... 
the tough one that the girl can collapse on and I'm mm-hmm. going to be like a tree trunk, you know, and but he can't do the other part. No. Um, and it is important to remember that he was raised in the 1950s. Yes. Because uh, when the book starts, he's like 40, I think. Yeah. This is Popcorn Book Club. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back with Popcorn Book Club. I want to take a brief detour. There is one story we get early on that seems to be kind of a departure because it's not about tragedy, really, and it's not about Thomas, but it's a story about Ma having a handwritten uh, memoir written by her oh, father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, and again, it feels like a weird departure. Like, So the story is Ma has a handwritten memoir by her immigrant father who came from Italy and mm-hmm. built himself up, and he, we get this subplot of he tried to hire a stenographer and it didn't work. So then he's like, I'm just doing it myself. <laughs> uh, and we get, he's Dominic's namesake, Dominica. Um, but basically, mm-hmm. Ma leaves it to Dominic and is like, here's, you know, your grandfather's memoir and story, but it's all in uh, peasant Italian. <laughs> And so, peasant Sicilian. Peasant Sicilian, my apologies. And he, he brings it to a local university to get a grad student to translate it for him. And we get this story about a woman named Nidra. Does someone want to pick uh, it up from Nidra. there? I, I mean... With Nidra, I only want to say that he describes her. The thing that stuck out to me, and only maybe because I'm like, my partner is a professor, so I'm like, this sticks out to me so much. But he walks in and is like, 
She looked about 40. Or who knows, you can't tell with women who pull their hair back <laughs> tight up into a bun and wear glasses around their neck. And I was like, oh, that's so rude. <laughs> I have both of these things going yeah. on right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could be 40, I, I could be 20. You just don't know. You just don't know. I assumed you were eight years old, Melissa. I just, I, I cannot tell. I don't know. Can't tell. Um, yeah. Well, I can take it a, from here a little bit, but he, mm-hmm. he tries to... He asked this woman to translate this book for her, and she's very, which I love, she's like unemotionally attached to the whole project, doesn't see why this is like of utmost importance to this man, but is just like, yeah, sure, I'll charge such and such page for such and such. I think it's like eight bucks a page or five bucks a page. It was very expensive. is it really a lot of money? Well, whatever rate he is, he agrees to it. Especially in 1990. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. I'm thinking about or it. Or earlier. I guess because the big event happened in 1990. So this could be like 85, maybe. Yeah. Because it yeah, was like what? A page. So she's Two charging high quality okay, premium prices. Find someone who could do that. <laughs> yeah, he so should have asked around. Although, you know what? What she's saying is she has a very specific skill set where knowing peasant Sicilian is not, probably does not have a lot of income opportunities. And so she's like, here's an opportunity. I am getting paid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think it's important to note that the mom is actively dying during this right. whole process. And she's like, yeah. like, it does not face her at all. It's like, okay, well, it's going to take a long time. And I don't care that your mother has a month yes. to live. He wanted, he wanted to have it translated so that he or could give it to his mom dying before gift. she died. his yeah. mother as a gift. Yeah. Um, I just kept thinking, um, social media is very bad on a lot of levels. But the one thing that I thought would be great is if you were doing this today, you would just put a post up on Facebook <laughs> saying like, hey, does anybody speak Sicilian? I, I need a book in like two weeks. Yeah. Can you like give me a rough translation? People yeah. would have done it for like $150. Yeah. <laughs> it, isn't it in that first meeting too, as she's flipping through the book and seeing that it's like put together haphazardly, some of it's typed, some of it's in peasant Sicilian, some of it is in it, Italian. And she's like, man, is your grandfather a schizo? She makes like a quick, she yeah. makes a quick yeah. little reference. Like, whoa, was he a schizo? And he, and Dominic is like, fills with rage. Yeah. And I think turns to leave. And then she's like, fine, I'll do it. And I think that's mm-hmm. maybe the first little glimpse that we get about Papa and like having this yeah. offhanded comment from this woman. And then, I mean, the big arc of it is that she ends up coming over to his house one night, getting super drunk during a snowstorm, tries to like hook up with him. He doesn't want it. And then she runs away, accusing him of sexual assault, takes the memoir and all the pages and then disappears. Completely bounces. Completely bounces. From her job. There's a really important detail that you forgot. She stole the blanket off of his bed. Oh, really? (laughs) She didn't take it home with her. She didn't take it home with her. But when he was getting the pizza or something, like he stepped out of the room for a moment and she had gone up into his bedroom and taken the comforter off of his bed and wrapped herself in it. And I was just like, she has no boundaries. Yeah. No None. She so <laughs> aggressive, just like eventually like getting her own beers and just like, <laughs> being like, well, what are we doing for dinner? <laughs> just and, Oh, yeah. He hasn't given her his no, address. No, she took it oh, off. Yeah. She shows up at She his took it house. off the check that he gave her. 
Like yeah. my and what she is the most aggressive person in this book. Yeah, I love Nidra Frank. She's so weird. She's played by Juliette Lewis too, which I feel oh is that's very good. that makes sense to me. Yeah, that. I haven't that watched it. That makes me want to watch the it show. I haven't watched it, it yet. But that detail, I'm like, I want to see that. <laughs> That's perfect casting. Yes, agreed. I haven't watched any of it yet. And I didn't look at any casting either. Can yeah. I also say there's one, the one very funny detail about Nidra, and maybe it's like funny just because the rest of this book is so pitch black. But the fact that she's like, she when he like checks in with her, he's she's like, you shouldn't give this book to your mom. You haven't read this, oh, but yeah. this sucks. <laughs> She's like, this book straight yeah. up sucks. And your grandfather's a misogynist and an yeah, like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny because that um, whole section, it felt like comedy, even though yeah. it's so dark. Mm-hmm. But it just everything else is so bleakly sad that somehow like a woman being aggressive while trying to fulfill his mom's dying wish and going crazy and losing the one thing that was gifted to him. It's like, what a farce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it is really farcical, but it also made me really sad. It was very sad. Because at some point he visits his grandfather's grave and on his grandfather's grave is written, the greatest griefs are silent. And clearly this was a man who like tried to air those griefs and he tried to put them someplace and he tried to write about them and now they're just well, gone and nobody will ever know I have about a question. them. I feel like she's got to come back. Yeah, she's yeah. going to come back for well, sure. I, I feel like there will be a return <laughs> because of Because it does <laughs> feel like, and this might seem obvious, but that it's, it is such a mirror of like, he is writing this memoir, even though it's fiction, like it is this memoir of his life. And it does go keep going back to his childhood and teenage years and building out the story of him and his brother. And then he is like, trying to craft this, like, bring back this memoir of his grandfather. And it does feel like obvious parallels between the two of like this man. It's all from his own. It's all from his perspective, you know, and it does feel and it kind of bounces around. And so it feels like it's paralleling. those. To build, I just have a quick question. What? Because I I don't know if it's just my I got an old copy, but my pages are like purposefully old and and like Uh oniony like the book the grandfather's like manuscript is described when I first got Mm. it my girlfriend was like okay that book is fucked up don't bring it into the bedroom (laughs) like thinking like (laughs) Like it's cursed like it's (laughs) like it's like had like damaged or like filthy like we didn't know but then I looked at it I was like wait a minute no this is intentional (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so good. I think the idea that the best Greeks are silent, like that is, I feel like the struggle to be able to own your story is like, this is toxic yeah. masculinity, the musical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and it's just clearly continuing the cycle with another Italian-American man named mm-hmm. Dominic, who is trying to share his grief um, in some way that uh, that he can at least put mm-hmm. it someplace. I hope we get to read some of his grandfather's I know, I hope memoir. So too. I um Yeah. Yeah. I really want to know why he and grandma aren't buried together. Ooh. Like something something bad happened I there. I want to know more about Ma's 
past. I want to know who their father is. I want to know if it's yeah. a stenographer. I want to know who their father is. And it's, you know what? In normal people, we never found out who Connell's father was. And no. I want to know who Dominic and Thomas's father is. I want to know oh. who people's fathers are now. Maybe that's, that's my requirement for our next we, book. We, should we just, have to know we who their read, father no. is. <laughs> Every book we read, we never know who the father is. <laughs> it's the Mary Povich book club. <laughs> That's the theme of this podcast now. It's no longer about things getting turned into TV movies. It, the father thing, one thing that stood out to me when he was talking about Ray, there was the end of one chapter was like, our father could be anyone. It could be Alessandro. It could be this person. It could be that person. It could be anyone in the world, but it's definitely not Ray. And it's just so interesting, like, how, I mean, Ray was is a terrible man, but just how he, like, will never accept that Ray is his father, you know? Uh, um, yeah, he constantly is reminding mm-hmm. people that Ray yeah. is his stepfather. Yeah. Although, although yeah, they, they have Ray's last name, which I think is notable. And yeah. sort of an interesting thing that Thomas never, or Dominic, rather, never rebelled against, never changed. He sort of tacitly accepts that Ray is the father figure in his life while still vehemently believe, knowing in his heart that he is just his stepfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ray lives in his childhood house yeah. now. And he's the only uh, person that, that his there. grandfather built. And they, they once yeah. had their mom's last name because early on they mentioned that when they were born, and it was like a news story because they were yeah. right. born at, on the, the New Year's, that they had their mom's last name. But then when she married uh, Ray, they all sort of took that heteronormative 1950s little family yeah. ideal. Which is such yeah. an interesting detail. Good job, Wally. The twins. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. twins being on either side of the year. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice time, yeah. Wally. Yeah. I see you, Wally. <laughs> and like the first half and second half of the century, too. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also an indication of how separate they are as twins, Mm -hmm. even though they came from the same egg and everything. They're not even born the same day or the same year. That's how wildly different they are, even though they look the same. The same half of the century. Wally really, he's he's going in. (laughs) Can we take can we take bets on if we find out or not? Who thinks we will find out? Who the father is? I think we're going to. I think we're going to find out. I think we will. I don't think we're going to find out. I don't think out. we're going to find out. <laughs> All right. Well, so me, Tien, and Jennifer are yeah. on Team Find Out. Yes, and Karama and Melissa yeah. are on Never Find Out. No, Ma gets a love story. I want Ma to have a lost love. Oh. I, but although knowing well, okay, it, it's going to be a lost tragedy. It's going to be bad. It's going to be a tragedy. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be bad. She's so deeply religious. And has these babies out of wedlock and then also never tells anyone. And they say there are two things they never talked about, who their father is and, and their the mom's lip. cleft lip. Yeah. And she brings up the lip once, but then never bring up the father. Oh. So I feel like there's something bad there or something sad there that I don't want to yeah. get into. Although you, the religious element is interesting that it could sort of be an immaculate but, conception reference. Hmm. Mm. Or she could have had sex with a priest. That's where I go with them. Oh, that story where she brought up the cleft lip to to Dominic uh, was so sad. It was so sad. So sad with the glasses. Mm -hmm. And he really shut the hell up after that. And then (laughs) 
And he was still an asshole about it. He was still an asshole. And then he puts oh, yeah. on the glasses and see, and is amazed by however, which I remember that because I, you know, wear glasses or in contacts. And I remember in high school, I kept on asking this girl in front of me. I was in the back of my math class. And I was like, what does that say? And I was like, Ugh, this math teacher is like, just not uh, like... Uh, focusing the projector. It's so annoying. And then she's like, Melissa, do you want to try on my glasses? And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, this is how the world looks to people. Like you can see leaves on trees all yeah. the time. Um, yeah. So I Individual feel like it really marks that grass. moment. Oh, yeah. amazing. But then he so doesn't tell his mom, you know, he doesn't tell his mom that actually this is wonderful, you know? Right. Poor Ma, long suffering. She's Poor the real Ma. martyr. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't even get the clock that I she know. wants. That's, That's, true. She, That's true. She sacrifices her clock for the for the um typewriter. Yeah. So what else do people want to see in the in the next chapters of the book? Paternity. Um, I want to see. Uh, I want to see Grandfather Dominico's memoir. Um, yeah. I'm really curious about what he was up there writing all that time. Yeah. I'd love to, and I hope that means the return of Nedra. Yes. Um, I just want to see yeah. a little bit more of messy Nedra doing something crazy. Um, being, being a real weird, real weird fun girl. <laughs> Truly a messy legend. Yeah. Yes, true messy legend. We, we stand a messy legend. <laughs> Oh. Karama, what about you? Did you get a did you get a request for for where I mean, you want Wally to I go? Obviously, I, well, I want to see the paternity, obviously, but also I want to see Thomas okay. Like I want to see mm-hmm. a positive, yeah. sustainable future for Thomas. Yes, because I like I don't think I've talked about this, but one of my worst fears is being institutionalized. Like, um, mm. all of my worst fears were actually realized in season two of American Horror Story. It was like it was oh, handcrafted no. to torture me because I'm afraid of being murdered for my skin and I'm afraid of Nazis and I'm afraid of being institutionalized and all of that's in there. <laughs> yeah. Also aliens. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but I feel like he's in this position where he was in a pretty good spot and now he's obviously gotten into a worse spot and I really don't want him to be in hatch for like years and years yeah. and years. Yeah. And I think that there's nobody at this point in the book that can take on the responsibility of being his full-time caregiver outside of a facility. And I think that he does benefit from being in a facility where he can get round the t- round the clock care people who are trained in how to properly handle his schizo- his schizophrenic yeah. delusions and everything. But I would like to see him back at Settle and I would like to see some of the stuff that Dr. Patel talks about in the last chapter where it's about like getting him into a group home or something where yeah. he is able to be his own advocate and do adult things that some of us sort of take for granted, like paying bills and stuff like that. Uh, so that's that's something that I'd like to see. We still have a lot of book to go. I have no yeah. idea what's going to happen. But I, uh, think I hope something good happens for Thomas. Dr. Patel gives me hope. Like, that chapter yeah. mm-hmm. really gave me a lot of hope for him and for Dominic. Like, it felt like he, she was really breaking through to Dominic, getting through his rage issues and all of that. And it seems hopeful, like, it's this sort of co-therapy thing that she's doing by, like, yeah. the the setup of that seems interesting. Can I say something very silly? Um, I love 
like genre, like genre, mystery, sci-fi, like all of that sort of stuff. And uh, that's a lot of what I read. And I have like at some point my brain, especially in the Dr. Bertel chapter went to like, what if they're the same person? And if this is just all delusions that it's like he's on the outside and, and Dr. Bertel is like, yeah, let's talk about your twin. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not what this book is. It is not what this book is. <laughs> oh, you, that would be that genius. Would be, that would be it's not oh. it. It's it's just a sad story. I just wanted it to be more like a like a Fight Club story as opposed to just like a bleakly sad story. Uh, I know when I was first reading it, my brain was like, "Okay, can this get better if they accidentally take Dominic instead of Thomas and yes. Dominic is in Hatch?" And then I was like, "Well, he cut his hand off, so there's no." Yeah, I was gonna say there's no, no. there's no mistaking them anymore. Yeah. There's no mistaking them. No. I did want to just say a quick thing about Dr. Patel is she was so smart and so slick in that she knows that Dominic is such a martyr that he will do things to help. Thomas, that the yeah. only way oh that he would agree to like this therapy that he so desperately needs is that Dr. Patel frames it as like, will you do this for me to help Thomas? Yeah. 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 And you're like, well, she, I think, she, I mean, I'm, of course she knows that it's also definitely helping him. Dominic. Yeah. And it, I'm like, oh, you're so good at this. Oh, there's something that we have not talked about. What? 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 We didn't talk about the fact that they asked Dominic if he wanted to reattach Thomas's hand. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, he had to make that choice. He had to say, no, don't reattach his hand. And I think part of it, he, he said it was because he's just going to cut it off again. Because that's what <laughs> Thomas said. He was like, I'm just going to cut it off again, dude. But I think also it's a way to distinguish himself finally visually oh, oh, whoa. oh i hadn't even, even thought, thought about, about that. that yeah oh. yep a visceral I mean, yeah. real tangible difference so it's like yeah. he can't take you're right like obviously the, i mean hopefully in a world they wouldn't like put dominic in the hatch by accident but you're right now they now they definitely can't can. I mean, he Ooh. could just grow a beard, Dominic, you know, like <laughs> it would be a little easier. On or start back. wearing his glasses again because Thomas doesn't yeah. wear glasses. Uh, yeah. yeah, Thomas, Thomas think, is Superman and Dominic yeah. is Clark Kent. Yeah. Clark Kent? <laughs> yeah. He uh. seemed to really resent that comparison. He was like, man, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Superman. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. That's so, it's interesting. He he ascribes that decision also to this feeling of like, Thomas, all the agency has been taken out of his life where it's like, he is making this decision. And so he's going to let Thomas have that decision, which I sort of, I get. That's like such a made, although with someone who would unilaterally vasectomize yourself in a marriage, uh, he tends to, seems to be someone who is good at making unilateral decisions. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it is interesting. A vasectomy is not mutilation, but it is a form of like cutting something off. So they in order to in a martyr sort of way. So it does feel like they both have voluntarily done this thing that is very detrimental to their lives, like to their bodies. Do you think do you think that Dominic thinks it's his fault that Angela died? Like, that there's something wrong with his ability to create a healthy baby. And, like, for me, I feel like he's scared that he's going to have a kid that has paranoid schizophrenia. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I think absolutely. I think he thinks his genes are, are 
messed up because of because of Thomas. I mean, that's the 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 scary thing about having an identical twin is knowing that your genetics are the same, that you have the same like predispositions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, a scary, scary thing. And maybe he just thinks that like if another baby were to die, he just physically couldn't be stoic through that. Like he would just yeah. explode. The Tupperware yeah. would burst. It would because he has his only coping mechanism is to tamp it down and he has no more tamp space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a a tragedy. It's interesting how we can all feel so sad for this man, and I don't think any of us would like him if we met him. I am on his side for a maximum of three pages. That's what I've realized as I'm reading. I'm like, oh, yeah, yay. And then he, like, says a slur, and I'm like, oh, no. mm -mm, I just remembered who you are. (laughs) I just remembered at your core who you are. And also all of the, um, all of the scenes where he, like, loses his temper especially in the um institution it's like or with with the cop and with with all of like he almost has it and then he just goes too far and and you're reminded of who he really is and you're just so mad it's like no you could have convinced him if you just kept your cool and weren't so hateful (laughs) but you are so it's a problem he's someone who thinks that the world is against him some of the tenderest moments in the book are when people are able to break through to him though it's why i love the scenes with dr patel so much yeah that uh she's 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 able to get him to talk about his childhood and it feels like um this almost superhuman power coming from her um with a man who is I know this confrontational yeah. with people who are very often trying to Same help with him. the social I, worker. What was her her name? Sheffer? Lisa Lisa Dr. Sheffer. Lisa yeah. Schaefer. That was good. a Sheffer? Yeah. That was a great scene too. And I love that she's moment. Also cool. she did, yeah, she's I like, like I'm not a, I'm not a gal. I am a woman. <laughs> yeah. Woman. I didn't like how she kept calling him Paisano, no. which I had to look up because I'm not Italian. And apparently it literally translates to peasant, but is, uh, which is interesting because like of the bro. peasant Sicilian. But it, it's, yeah, it literally translates to peasant. Yeah. But the like, the slang is like, ah, oh, friend, pal, homie. <laughs> I thought she's also kind of a weirdo, yes. but also yeah. super weird. <laughs> There are a lot of interesting women in this. Like, I feel like he's surrounded by all of these women who he clearly hates on a visceral level. (laughs) Um, Oh, he hates his girlfriend, Joy. What? He really does. He hates her so much. I want to see Joy leave. I know. Oh, that's one thing I want to see. I'm hoping for. Yeah, it is interesting because he is surrounded by all these women and while... Wally, you describe their boobs way too much, but um, yes. but outside of that, I feel like they are so well formed and unique pr- perspectives, and the way they interact mm-hmm. with him are so different and memorable. And I feel like it, for a man that kind of hates women, like the the central character, it is so interesting to be in these scenes with all these very strong pers- personalities that um, challenge him in different ways. Yeah. I love and what I, Dr. Bertel, like, there's this, that one moment in the beginning where she's like, he's like, what kind of tea do you want? And he's like, whatever. And he's like, whatever. That's the <laughs> male way of just, you know, throwing things away. <laughs> she, she, it's very yeah, bad. And she makes you she decide. <laughs> and it's like, and he and he acquiesces. It's like, oh, wow, Dr. Bertel, you are good at this. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll take the spiced one. <laughs> I, I think we're all writers, you know, to some degree. And so I, I wonder to how, to what level, like, 
I think very often when, when I'm reading a good book, I don't see the strings, but then sometimes when I like, I was writing notes for this, you sort of see the strings a little bit or what's effective. And like, he says he's surprised Dominic is when he agrees to accept the tea. And I was like, that's a very poignant detail that he's willing to sit down and like literally drink tea with someone because the act of like drinking or consuming food with someone is like a very intimate, vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Wally, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Yeah, when I was when I was in college, there was a guy who told me, he said that he thought that sex was the most intimate thing you could do for someone. And the second most intimate thing you could do for someone was make them a meal. Ooh. Which I thought was really interesting because he was like Was that was that the first thing he said yeah. to you? <laughs> No, 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 no. And this was not a guy that was like trying to hit on me or anything. But he he went to uh, he went to another college nearby that focused on culinary school. And so Mm. he worked in one of our eateries as in the kitchen. And I was like friends with the people in the kitchen because I love food. Um, So I was like, yeah, I'm going to make real good friends with all the people who are responsible for the food. So then I can get more food, which worked. Oh, yeah. And uh, (laughs) but so we would hang out when he was on his breaks and on shifts and stuff. And it wasn't like a sexy thing, but it was just an interesting perspective. And uh, just in terms of having this tea, I do think it is a very intimate thing that she's doing, making him this tea and the ritual of it all and Mm -hmm. how she gets into her own history with tea. And it leads into us learning a lot about her because she's Indian. So I think we all kind of had that assumption. It's like, oh, yeah, no, she's been drinking tea. And she's like, no, I never drank tea in India. I didn't get into tea until I was in, you know, school in London. London. Yeah. It's also the one time that we get to see maybe the only moment of like pure joy from Dominic where he's like, it warmed me up and it smelled very good. And I was like, oh, what an uncomplicated emotion of joy that you just had the first one in all 250 pages. (laughs) Well, and along with that, Tan, it's like that's the first time when he starts like asking questions about mm-hmm. her like he start, stop, starts relaxing about his brother for the first time and just like enjoys a conversation with somebody yeah. and engages with her and he's like I don't know why but I liked her it's like, <laughs> maybe it's just because she's a nice person I don't know well there's also something very maternal yeah. about um, making food for people or making tea for someone it's something that you can very easily imagine his mother yeah. doing and something that maybe is uh, certainly his mother if she was... I'm pretty sure Ray made sure that his mother had all the meals ready yes. on time. Like, yeah, um, yeah I'm... But, yeah. Um, I am sure while the meals might have been horrifying at his house because his brother was being made to eat like a dog, it was something that his mother consistently prepared. Yeah. And maybe that and he, was uh, a memory he could go back to. And even when Dominic is describing Dessa, some, a woman that he really loved, it, it's obvious that he really put her on a pedestal in a way that doesn't yeah. really signify the type of love that I think makes a sustainable relationship. Mm-hmm. Because thinking someone's like a perfect angel isn't seeing them. And I think everyone wants to be fundamentally seen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he really idolizes Dessa in a way that makes, especially when he tells the story of their marriage dissolving, I think even though he's the one telling it from his side, it's incredibly, it was obvious to me, why Dessa had to leave and should have left. So it was, like you said, really gratifying to see him, like, open up a little to Dr. Patel and ask her about her life. And this, you know, doctor with grandchildren seems to be a really interesting, wonderful person. Yeah. 
Um, that seems like a hopeful place to end, yeah. you know, with, with yeah. Dominic yeah. maybe trying to open up. This was uh, lovely. I think next time, the next 15 chapters, does that seem yeah. reasonable? Yeah, that sounds great. That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dana Schwartz, and you can find me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. You can follow Jennifer Wright at Jen Ashley Wright. Karama Dankwa is at Karama Drama. Melissa Hunter is at Melissa FTW. And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Next week, we'll go further into the heart of darkness of I Know This Much Is True. It does feel like human atrocity bingo. It felt like Wally was like, how do we make this even more fucked up? Oh, what do we think the prize is for human atrocity bingo? Oh, I think a nap. (laughs) (laughs) I think a long daytime nap. Yes. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.